0: Cali, go Gators. Go, uh, Gators! go dogs! Go Cox! <laughs> go ahead, Jake. Where Jake do you, where you, you your go sports game. comment? Oh, I don't sports ball. Go
1: yeah. sports ball.
2: Go go score a goal unit basket. <laughs> go squadron.
3: You're, the worst. You're good.
4: Uh, hey everyone, thank y'all for tuning in. We're obviously talking about uh, college sports. Uh, we have three SEC uh, fans here on the pod and one individual who doesn't know how to do sports. So, couldn't care uh, less about watching them. Yeah, I could not care less about watching them. So, y'all, thank you again for tuning to Unicorn Finders. We are very excited this morning um, to have a new friend of ours, Kelly Vaughn. And, Kelly, you're, you're in Atlanta, right?
1: I am in Atlanta, yes.
4: Awesome. She is in the ATL in the house. Courtney Atlanta. From Nashville. I love it.
1: Hey, hey uh, Kelly. Don't say Hot We do not say Hot here. I learned that last.
0: I learned that back in December. Somebody said that they're like, we don't say like, don't stop calling it that. That's not we something, something we created. What? Literally,
1: What's Hartsfield, Hartsfield ja- Jackson. They have a sign that says, "Welcome to Atlanta." We do not say Hot I love it. <laughs> awesome.
4: I didn't know that. Listen, if you tune into this podcast, you now know. Like we could go ahead and end the podcast now, Kelly. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate
3: so wonderful. Uh,
4: that was it. We're done. Uh, hey everyone! Again People from
2: Southern you. California, don't say SoCal. Just you know, we do not did not say
0: that.
1: I <laughs> imagine it's like the Windy City, like Chicago. They probably don't mm. like do that.
0: They don't like that because the, the windy doesn't mean like actual wind. It's like corruption and politics. But that's a different.
2: <laughs> that's exactly right.
4: Uh That's kathy cool. what's up? Good morning. Brian, good morning. Kurt, good morning. Thomas, good morning. We got some individual streets. In. Always add us comments let us know we tune in from. So I want to go ahead, I want to go and get rolling because Kelly is a very busy woman. We do not want to take up too much of her time today. But I want to be able to uh just share just the amazingness that is Kelly. So I have followed Kelly from afar on Twitter for a very long time. I've been very impressed with her cadence around. Um, Not only scaling businesses, but also just her general technology, giving back to the community. And so then one afternoon, I slid into Kelly's DMs. Um, I take my own advice that I preach about networking. And Kelly said yes. And so here we are. Uh, She's hanging out with us today. Um, So for everyone who is watching Kelly, give a background about yourself. Who are you? Um, And then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me on here. Very Uh, glad you slid into my DMs. Uh, I get a lot of really terrible DMs. Oh, I have no doubt. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I'm Kelly Vaughn. I'm the founder and CEO of The Top Room. We're a Shopify Plus development agency uh, specializing in custom development solutions for high growth merchants on Shopify and Shopify Plus. I'm also the co-host of Ladybug Podcast, a podcast that focuses on Focuses on tech career and code. I'm also the co host of Commerce Tea, uh, a oh, podcast man. to help you succeed on Shopify. Um, I wrote a book. Um, I'm based in Atlanta. Uh, I was not hot, Cooler. not hot, not hot, Lana. Yeah.
4: So, Kelly, the first question I want to ask this is for everybody tuning in and also for me because I have no idea. What is Shopify? So, yeah. I'll kick it off with that. And then then we'll get into a little bit about your background. I want to kick it off saying, what is Shopify? Can you dumb it down for me? Because I'm not smart.
1: Absolutely. So Shopify is an e-commerce platform. They provide the tools you need to run a business online. So they handle everything from... Uh, The storefront where your customers are actually adding items to the cart and checking out. They handle all of the transactional side of things as well. So you don't have to build your own credit card acceptance kind of form, Mm -hmm. uh, technical terms there. Um, So yeah, Shopify makes it really, really easy to start an online store. Uh, They've got themes that you can use, apps that you can install. Basically, anything that you need is ready to go. Uh, You can get up and running in in, in less than a week if you know what you're going to be selling.
0: There you go. So, so Kelly, I want to, Taylor actually just texted me that he's going to ask you this question, but I'm, I'm very curious. So I was looking at your background <laughs> last week and you unfortunately had to go to the University of Georgia, but you Ooh. focused on psychology and then you got into social work and, um, and um, public health. You worked for the CDC, like talk to us a little bit about your journey, about being you know, a psychology major to work at the CDC to now being the Shopify, you know, queen. Whisperer,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna to have to go way back um, to okay. when I was 11. Uh, I learned how to code when I was 11 years old. I taught myself how to code. Uh, there's a website called Neopets, if those are familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not. Uh, a site where you can have like your own virtual pet. There are a bunch of games on there. There's a community component to it as well. And I wanted to build my own community. And in order to customize it, you had to know basic HTML and CSS. So my dad bought me a book called HTML Goodies. And that was the start of my career. Um, I took on my first freelance project for a... It actually ended up basically being an e-commerce site, just minus the transactional functionality. I was 14 years old. So I, was, I started freelancing at 14. Um, my first was a t-shirt. Uh, wow. I recommend um, the shirt was my dad's size did not fit me I actually still have it it is somewhere in this house I just don't know where um, <laughs> my dad texted me out of the blue one day with a picture of this really dirty shirt and I'm like what is this he's like do you recognize mm-hmm. this so he ended up using it as a dust rag for years it's missing <laughs> he ran it through the washing machine like four times to try to clean it up it is still terribly dirty but I will hang it up to actually be like my first dollar, it's legit. Yeah. Um, So I went through high school and in high school, I basically was like, I don't want to code for a living because if I'm forced to do it, I'm going to grow to hate it. So I went to school for something entirely different. Um, So I got my bachelor's in psychology, go dogs. um, And I stayed on to go straight into grad school. I uh, got a dual master's degree in public health and clinical social work, uh, also at UGA, go dogs! Uh, I feel like I just have to do it. You, you,
0: you don't mean it, it's okay.
1: <laughs> so here's the thing, I grew up in Michigan. Um, I am a really big Michigan fan.
0: Where in Michigan?
1: Uh, right, down here.
0: Near Detroit, Windsor area or the Kalamazoo area? It's I reverse did, on my end.
1: Yeah, so I was about Thirty. I I was born like fifteen minutes from Detroit, and I grew up maybe like forty, about thirty to forty-five minutes away from Detroit. Really, really right. south, like southeast Michigan. The
4: best type of pizza, for the record, Detroit pizza. Thank is you. Than any other pizza. I I'm gonna say it now. For those of you who are watching, if you have
0: problems with it, you can tune
4: away now. But <laughs> the Detroit answer, the answer is New
0: Haven. So I'll um I'll I'll run.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah um yeah if you want to cry about it you can go cry into your new york pizza. It's really cool. <laughs> but, um detroit pizza is by far so, so good. good um so yeah so i decided to go complete different direction for for my education um i was still freelancing through undergrad and grad school as well because college is expensive and need to somehow pay <laughs> my bills. um so that was i was you know i'm years into freelancing at this point still don't hate it um, actually kind of had some regrets halfway through grad school being like, do I really want to do this? Also, I had been in school for like seven straight years and I was fired. Um, so I ended up getting a fellowship at the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They needed somebody who had their masters in public health who also knew how to code. Um, what? This is going to come no surprise whatsoever. I was the only applicant. Um let me know this like my second week. So I didn't really have to fight for the position. It was just, they were like, well, this is all we have. Let's just go with it. Uh, as soon as we knew just how well I could code, they basically pivoted my work away from doing anything related to public health to just building a system for what they were going. It's still like applicable to public health. Um, it was basically a machine learning system that they were building. So uh, this was during the, uh, the peak of not coronavirus, cause that's what's right now. Uh, oh it is. God, now I'm so was it Ebola? It was Ebola. Yes, yeah, so this was like adjusted the uptick of, uh, of Ebola. Um, and so I was, it was really cool experiencing like the, everyone kind of like scrambling in the library late nights, just trying to figure out what to do here. Um, but I was helping to build a system to basically have educational materials delivered, available anytime on the field in like Africa, where you don't really have wow. Wi-Fi and internet connection, so it was a really cool hmm. system that we were building. Um I as- thought you are
2: going to build a Shopify site for vaccines. That's what <laughs> we need, like right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what we need now, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, as most most federal projects go, it did get scrapped, so I never actually saw the uh, saw the load today day. But um, while I was there, so government, um, we shared because there's not much room. They they had we had plenty of meetings. That's where all, all the budget went to was just spending time in meetings. Um, but my fiance
3: oh, was
1: basically like, "Why are you here? I was making more money freelancing than I was through the fellowship program." And so when my husband and I got married, and I can get on his health insurance, I jumped ship and I went all in on going freelance. Um, I discovered Shopify in about 2014. Um, it came from a, a guy on Twitter who was like, I have extra work. I need a free to get through it. And I replied saying like, I'll help you on poor. Um, and he was like, cool. So he started handing me projects and these were mainly WordPress. Um, but at one point he was like, yeah, you know, I have this, this, this site is on Shopify. I know you don't know anything about it, but do you want it? I'm like, sure. I'll figure it out. Immediately fell in love with the platform. And this is like, 2014 esque Shopify, which I would, it's funny to look back on it because it was terrible. Um, but yeah. I loved, I loved building on Shopify and I basically asked him for more Shopify projects so I can become a, what was called a Shopify expert. Um, I had a, I had to launch five stores on my partner account to be an expert. So uh, he helped me get that. And there, you know, once I got that expert status, the floodgates just open for, for your leads. And wow. so I eventually dropped WordPress altogether and went all in on Shopify. This is about 2015 at this point. Wow. And I rebranded my business from Kelly Vaughn Creative to the Tap Room in October of 2017. So mm. quite the journey. How,
2: when you were starting out on that, how did, at what point did you, uh, what were you charging when you first started? And how did you set that? Because we talked, we did a, a few years ago, we did a like freelancer's guide to, the galaxy thing, where we help people find their own you know, value and leads and you know, invoicing and all that kind of stuff. And it was really fun. It was through one of my other ventures. And uh, it was really interesting how people could not quite figure out where they wanted to land, especially with their first few projects. So I'd love to hear how you dis- discovered that.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to preface this with two points. One, all the numbers are made up. And two, <laughs> So let's start. <laughs> um, I was charging, when I went full time, I was charging $50 an hour. Yeah. Um, and I sort of just kind of like crept up as I went. Um, I remember, you know, momentous occasions when my first like $3,000 proposal was accepted, my first $5,000, $10,000, yeah. $10,000. Um, so, you know, as I've grown over time, now, you know, we're we're getting leads coming in who have, you know, an, a healthy six-figure budget. And yeah. now it's like, I still don't know what to charge um i'm still making up the numbers but you know if yeah. they yes i'm like cool i'm going to increase my rates next time
4: yeah every time yep so let me ask you this kelly so for the individuals who are watching right now like man that sounds like a great story i'd love to be sending out three five ten fifteen thousand dollar bids. what are just some key things that you would recommend individuals who like want to get into freelancing um but like are scared to take that step. Either some encouragement, some tips, just some practical things that individuals could take away from this um, to implement in their day-to-day.
1: Am I allowed to plug my book?
4: You absolutely yes. are.
1: All That's right. what, so I was in a no club one one last night and they were we like, would, hey, no you plugs.
4: I was like, come on, like if, if I'm a moderator, like I want to plug. So anyways, plug away, Kelly. Plug yeah,
1: away. so uh, my pandemic project last year was writing a book. Um, it is called Start Freelancing Today. Uh you can buy it at start today. I totally named the book Start Freelancing Today because the domain was available. Um you can also buy it on Amazon. Uh it is an ebook and an audiobook. I recorded the audiobook in my closet. Um really, really <laughs> fun summer. Um no, but I I go every I'm talking about like forming your business, how to set your prices, um, how to find your first leads, how to you negotiate know, like go through the lead gen process, uh, setting up your proposal, following up with it, um, signing them on. I don't get too much into the legal and accounting things because this book is available to anyone internationally. And I didn't want to get too hyper-specific. Also consult a CPA and an attorney. Um, and then every all the issues that you kind of run into uh, that may like, derail a project, like the client is needy, the client is not responding to you. You just can't seem to get it right. Um, I talk about you know when to fire a client because, At some point, you might have to do that. Um, I talk Mm -hmm. about hiring subcontractors. Um, I get a little bit into the hiring part of that. Um, I think I might either write a second book or expand on this book to kind of go into that phase two that I kind of reached at this point where I went from freelancing to starting an agency and, and how that pivots and what you need to be thinking about. And then I go into um, you know just personal things like time management and money management and those kinds of things that you definitely have to be thinking about as a freelancer. So if you're considering freelancing, I highly recommend this book. I'm biased, but it's a really great book. Um, I have many 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 years of experience that put the book together. So I, that's where I would start um, One of the the key things I would say if you are considering freelancing um, If you're freelancing or if you're working full-time and freelancing, this is a little bit easier uh, You do have to you know moonlight and uh, and work weekends. Of course uh, some Jobs don't allow you to do this, so make sure it's you can do this and like it's part of your contract that you can do this, um, especially if it's kind of like crossover over and the, the type of work that you're doing. But yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, make sure you're setting expectations, especially if you're working on nights and weekends because your clients learn when you're communicating and they can't expect to have meetings with you during the day if you're not available during the day. So, so yeah. make sure you're setting those expectations up front. Um, you might have to remind them multiple times. That's totally fine. People are people, and they forget everything. I forget everything. This is why I hire people to tell me what to do with my yeah, life. That's right.
2: <laughs> Amen to that. Good. <laughs> when did you
0: When did you know that you had a a career and an opportunity to turn you know a side hustle or freelance into something more than that? And what was your thought process in kind of making those decisions?
1: I think once I crossed that that order or that threshold where I was making more freelancing than I was uh, working at the CDC, that was a really, that was a really big milestone for me where I was like, okay, I can, if I'm covering my bills just from the, the, the CDC fellowship, I can easily cover my bills through freelancing as well and have more time to do more work. Um, making sure I had the work coming in is of course really important. And also yeah. having a, having like a, a rainy day fund, an emergency fund that I can lean on in case things do dry up. Um, again, I'm also fortunate uh, to be married and have somebody working a very traditional job. So if things did dry up, we do have another source of revenue coming in. Yeah, that's huge. Of but I think that was my biggest point. I remember when I quit CDC, like, I was on the phone with my grandma and she was like, You are so stupid. Why did you do that? She doesn't think <laughs>
4: you're not on
2: Twitter. That's why you don't see that. She <laughs> didn't see it. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right.
4: What, what, what would you say? So I know a lot of people are like, you know, because my wife's freelance too. Right. And so it's like, I understand. I think the biggest thing is going out and getting business. For sure. Right. So, so let's talk about, cause that kind of leads in, I mean, kind of talks about the networking side of things. Right. And I think people are so terrified to slide into people's DMS, right. To, to ask the question, to, to ask for a higher rate. And, and, and I know that's something that my wife and I have talked about a ton. What are some suggestions to you for individuals who are kind of crippled by one asking, um, and then also to just general kind of negotiation from that perspective and kind of being fearless?
1: Yeah, first thing to remember, the worst thing that anybody, Mm -hmm. the second thing to remember, if they don't say no and they say nothing, okay, so they, this this lead's not working out. I can say I've gotten so many opportunities in my life just because I asked for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I
3: we
2: talked about power basking last week. Didn't we you did. We oh, sure awesome. did. Yeah.
1: Oh, see, you know, I, I, I knew that.
2: You knew you that. Listen, you listened yeah. to our, oh, listen yeah. to our Thank podcast. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're a big fan uh, of the Unicorn Finders podcast. I totally I get am. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I mean, getting comfortable with hearing no is really important as a freelancer. You know, if you work in sales in any capacity, you have to get comfortable with hearing no. Um, In terms of asking for more money, um, you you establish your worth. You are the one who gets to dictate your worth. Don't let somebody tell you, well, you should be charging less than that. People tell me that all the time to this day that I should be charging less than I am. And my business is pretty healthy. I think I'm doing okay. I don't need that input. Um, but, you know, people are going to give me unsolicited advice all the time because this is yeah. the world we live in. Um, mm-hmm. It's You have to get comfortable with putting yourself out there. You have to get comfortable with getting those no's. And honestly, if if you're getting yes for every single proposal you're putting out, you're not charging enough and you need mm-hmm. those rates.
4: Ooh, so I, good. Like that. Yep. I like that. Hey, Kelly, by the way, somebody, uh, one of my twitter followers oscar just purchased your book so oh. there we go he just tweeted at me so we are uh so we're good to go um get people get people involved so that's that's that what we're all about well, Kelly, I don't,
0: I don't know if you have a question and i'm interrupting but kelly i want to ask you you talk about you know the, the the power of asking and you talk about also saying no how like what what goes through your mind when you're talking to a potential client of, Hey, this is going to work or this isn't going to work. Or how do you choose to like walk away from business? Cause I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with in freelancing and business and sales is like, Hey, there's like somebody that's willing to pay me money. Why would I tell them? No. So, but like, obviously you know that there's other reasons why. So what goes through your mind and how do you like, what's your mental checklist of, of whether a client is like worth pursuing or just saying, Hey, like we may not be the best person for you.
1: Yeah, so I've got a lot of stop gaps in our process that I pl- I've i put in place over time, especially as I've learned from my mistakes. Uh, first off, having a new a new project application that they fill out, seeing how they respond to those answers. If I'm getting NA or we'll discuss on call, you're not putting the detail in that I need you to put mm-hmm. in. It's going to be a very complex project, so... We're not going to work well together. Um, I pay attention to, I like doing video calls for one thing. Um, I pay attention to body language. I pay attention to how you're responding to me. And I'm paying attention to how you're asking me questions. Um, I get that, you know, a lot of like, especially in e commerce, we're talking like livelihoods here.
3: Yeah.
1: So, Mm -hmm. you know, they may, it might be like a large company who's, you know, they've got hundreds of employees. They want to make sure that their site works especially if they're migrating from a different platform. So there's a lot of anxiety around doing this type of work. And it's important to take that perspective when you're communicating with them. But if they're snapping at you, if they're questioning your worth, they're not going to be pleasant to work with. If they're too slow to respond to you, if they're expecting things to get back to you way sooner than it's reasonable, they're not going to be pleasant to work with. You you, You have to learn what your limits are, what you're comfortable with working with and realize that turning projects down is one of the, it's one of the most difficult things, especially when you don't have many coming in, but you're going to be a lot happier in the long run. If you just go ahead and say no and free up that time to work with somebody who actually is going to value you.
2: Yeah. We've, we've Uh, said yes to some projects I wish we wouldn't have over the course of the (laughs) last five years, you know, that, and you, you kind of, sometimes you have to take it and, you know, and but it feels really good to be able to say say no when you get to yeah. the point where you're just like, no, sorry, we're too busy. Unless you want to pay us seven hundred dollars an hour, then we'll take yeah. it. You oh, know, yeah.
1: I love those uh, those rates that I occasionally throw out, and I'm like, oh well, if they say you know if they say yes to six hundred an hour, sure, I'll do it. And then when they say yes, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that.
3: So, <laughs>
2: yeah,
4: totally. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that.
2: Hundred percent. How hey, how do how do you think um, Shop of compares to some of these big, not big, these new headless commerce solutions that are coming out. Um, I feel like they're popping up all over the place in the last couple of years. You know, there might- Is Stripe
4: a competitor? Would Stripe be a competitor?
1: No, okay. No.
4: Because uh, yeah. I'm not educated in this. So yeah, I'm looking for- Taylor, it. Taylor.
1: Right. Yeah. so uh, something that I think Shopify should have done a better job uh, on a couple of years ago is Shopify is fully headless capable. Um, basically, headless, if you're unfamiliar with the term, which by the way is the absolute worst term ever, um, yeah. is basically separating the back end of your website from the front end of your website. So you can use whichever tools you need to make your site work the way it needs to work. It gives you more control over the overall experience of your site. Um, everything's really API driven. So you're pulling data from various sources Combining them into the same user experience that the customer back with, and you can do whatever you want in that case. Um, yes. So we, you know, we do headless builds on Shopify as well. So mm-hmm. we will take Shopify's data, like the products and the collections and the customer accounts and things like that, and then we will we'll use like a headless uh, content management system as well, such as Contentful mm-hmm. or Sanity, pull that data in, store it in what's called a data layer that just literally contains the data, and then. Mm-hmm. Can use that data to display on the site however we want. Um, headless builds tend to be a lot like the, one of the biggest uh, perks of going headless is the speed. Um, you can do you can build progressive web apps. You can build and I don't I'm not going to get too technical here, but the, the do it. We got
4: technical it. Yeah, tech Yeah, we will do it. We're good. Okay. tech
2: followers and so, we are techies. Well, I am. Okay. I am. So,
1: I mean, the beauty of it is that you can use whichever frameworks you want to use. So, they're, you know, headless JavaScript-leaning for the most part. So, you can, you know, you can build a storefront in Vue or React if that's what you prefer. Um, and you go, you rebuild the entire storefront experience, and then once you get to checkout, and you can build a custom checkout as well, but once you get to checkout, you can just go straight into Shopify's checkout, which mm. is trusted, it's it's already performance, it's built to actually do what you need, need it to do. Yeah. Um, But there I've are some of the... Oh, as well in the sense that it's it's more costly you have more things to manage it's not built in the shop by theme editor so if it's not built in a way that you want to be able to like drag and drop things to, to order content or reorder contents or change it um it's going to take more training from your team it's going to yeah. be a little bit costlier to make updated updates and changes to it um so i usually recommend going headless if you're doing over 15 million a year or usually you should absolutely have somebody technical on the team. Who's going to understand the infrastructure of what's happening here. Um, the overall costs for going headless tend to be much higher. You're usually on Shopify plus you're paying at least $2,000 a month. And, uh, if you use a, a data layer, such as like Nacelle, um, it's going to be an additional $4,000, $5,000 a month on top of that. Plus you're paying for enterprise hosting on Netlify yeah. or Vercel. So the costs yeah. add up. There are, really, really solid benefits to going headless, but you have to have the money to put, the time and money to put into the investment to go headless before you make that change. So long answer there saying Shopify can go headless. It's not really so much a a competition. Um, I do think that there's definitely room for improvement in Shopify's APIs in terms of what you can and can't do with them. I know they're actively building them out and continuing to to support GraphQL in particular. Um, And in terms of the Stripe question, Shopify Payments, which is the primary payment gateway on Shopify, is actually built on top of Stripe. It's like a rebranded Stripe, essentially. Mm-hmm. You access to Shop Pay, which if you install the Shop app, it, it notifies you when your packages are going to be arriving. is really fun. It also shows your carbon offset as well. Um, and then you get access to like Google Pay and Apple Pay, basically all those one-click checkouts that, that's- mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I love it. I pretty much don't buy anything unless I can do Apple Pay or like one-click PayPal Pay <laughs> <laughs> online. I'm just like, I'm just not dealing with it. If I'm gonna have to put in my credit card information, you don't, you don't trust it. I mean, and we just, I mean, there's a lot of sites out there that will ask for your credit card information that the average person for some reason doesn't understand that that's not built appropriately and that all of everything's exposed,
3: exactly. you know, we it's just.
1: A trust issue. And this is why I also often stress to merchants that you need to have an alternate payment gateway enabled that customers are going to trust. Something like PayPal yeah. or something like Amazon pay. Um, where where people are already used to shopping on those websites or using those to check out, so they don't have to enter their credit card information into a website they don't trust.
2: That's huge. One of my favorite features that Shopify, I think, came up with first, and this is because I used to run an e-commerce website for books back in the day, was the auto-calculation of tax between states if I was buying from a different state, because that was a nightmare on the back end previously, and then when you could add in auto-calculation for shipping costs from state to state, Oh, man, that, that was worth every penny just the time it took to manually do that before that was a thing. So, like, I think that's what really helped. So, uh,
4: for those of you who are watching, if you have any questions for Kelly, <clears throat> add us, comment us. Let us know if you have any specific questions. There are some comments that have come in <clears throat> um, uh, since we've been talking. So, Tasha said, great tips, Kelly. Thank you. Um, Rob is actually interesting. I had clients early on tell me I should be charging more because
1: Absolutely. Yes. You as you charge more, you're so this is there's often like on sites like Fiverr, for example, it's a race to the bottom. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: What little work can I get in? And I always tell people charge more than you think you should charge because you're always undercharging for one thing. And second, you're attracting a different caliber of, of clients yes. by right. more money. And that was one of the primary reasons why I pivoted from being Kelly Von creative to starting the tap room because I wanted to be able to attract these larger clients and it, I just couldn't get the credibility with where I was at with the, you know, the, who I was just being Kelly Vaughn creative as a freelancer um, and also what I was charging. So yeah. that's, it, it's absolutely true. Like our project minimum now is $50,000 and yeah. now we get people who are coming in being like, Hey, my budget is over half a million dollars. And I'm like, Again, no idea what to do with this money and also what does that even mean? Um, but I would never have gotten that, you know, 2 years ago even. They wouldn't have yeah. even they wouldn't have come to us cuz we don't look like we can do that work.
2: Right. Yeah. Plus so, if you have if you have your rates up to where they should be, they'll
4: use the meeting time wisely.
3: Yes. Every time because right. it costs oh, yeah. every,
4: every minute. Um, yeah. another thing too, Griffin said the same thing, the less time you have the more valuable it is. Yeah, I mean Absolutely, yep. We're talking mm-hmm. about.
1: I'm going to tell one more thing for pricing as well. Yes. The smaller the client, the needier they are. No, All day. The more every day they're like, if they're a small client, the investment they make is going to have a bigger impact on, on their business. On like, if things go, if things fall flat, for example, they just invested a bunch of money they're never going to get back. And so it's, it's for them, it's higher stakes. For you, it might not be. But for them, it is. So they're going to be a lot more on top of things to ask for extra things, ask for changes, like kind of get on you if something's not absolutely perfect. And uh, perfection is a whole whole different conversation, but they tend to be much needier. And so I've noticed as we've moved up market, we have better relationships with our clients because they they value us. And on a totally different scale, we've been told multiple times by other clients that we're nickel and diming them, because you know they, they were complaining about paying paying us three thousand dollars.
3: Yeah, that's yeah.
0: Kelly. What when you are determining your pricing, what what goes through your mind when when clients are pushing back on price and trying to negotiate with you? What are some of the tactics that you try to do to hold firm? or what kind of leeway do you normally give or or what when you're negotiating, just because I know there's some salespeople that are listening and certainly freelancers, what kind of conversation do you have about negotiating your price?
1: So one of the best things we ever did was in our proposal, we offer options. So you can go with option one, two or three. If you go with option one, you will get what you need, but it might not be like, uh, we might not include like automations and easier management it's, it might be a little bit more bare bones. We're not giving you so many rounds of revisions for design. And as you move up those options, you're getting more out of it. But within your budget, you can go with option one if you want to. Sure. Number two, if somebody asks you to reduce the price, remove something from the scope of work. Don't decrease your rates because mm. if you set those rates for a reason, don't let somebody else again, dictate the value. As you, as you decrease your price but don't change the scope of work, you're devaluing your work. And mm. customers mm. learn. If you give them a one-time discount, they're going to expect that discount again and again and again.
4: Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this, Kelly. This is, and then we'll, we'll slowly start to wrap up here. And again, if anybody has any questions, comments, add us, please. Um, Kelly, you have a Shopify expert right now on call. So add us, comment us for sure. Um, let me ask you this in regards to running your business, right? So I followed you. You have just provided benefits to your employees. Congratulations on that. That is huge. I know it's a huge milestone. So congratulations to you and your organization. Aside from benefits, what has probably been some of the hardest and some some challenges that you've learned early on running your own business um, at Taproom?
1: I think one of the biggest things is we were very reliant on contractors first, before we started hiring full-time employees. There's obviously a lot more inherent risk to hiring full-time and getting buy-in from contractors is very difficult compared to getting buy-in from employees. And so it starts very early on figuring out how you want to frame that business, how you want to frame those relationships with those contractors to get to get some level of buy-in from them. You can't expect them to be as invested in your company as you are. It's just, it's your company. You're going to be way more invested in it than anybody else. Um, but but balancing those relationships and also as you hire more people and you're kind of mixing both full time and contractors, making those contractors still feel like they're part of the team, even if they're not mm-hmm. full time for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it things are a lot more fun when, you know, when everybody is involved in that case. So uh, we've always hired remotely um, uh, my first couple of hires were based in the Atlanta area as I kind of figured out how to be an employer and how to be. Sure. An employer. Uh, but now we're across eight, nine States. Um, the worst part of hiring uh, in different States is the process of registering your business in other States. Interesting. Um, it is okay. a nightmare. Every single state is different. Uh, if anybody, if you want a business idea, um, work with every single state to streamline the process, to make it really easy for businesses to go ahead and get all there the registration in there. I will pay you a lot of money for this.
3: Cool. Hey, so you heard it I'm here crazy.
1: first.
4: Unicorn finders, a perfect business idea. Unicorn creators, map right there. <laughs> Boom. This is why we do it. This is why we do it. Okay.
0: That's Kelly. I, I have another question for you. you. You talked about hiring a bunch of contractors at the beginning, and I would imagine a lot of that is, Hey, can you do X, Y, and Z? Do you have the certain skill set that we're looking for? I need help because we just won a $6 billion project, right? When you are ultimately deciding to build out an actual, you know, employee team and, when you're trying to hire your your first couple of full-time employees and then scaling from there, what were some things that you were looking for and then what's ultimately been your hiring strategy and what kind of things were you looking for beyond just can they do the job, especially at the early stage of where you guys were?
1: Yeah, so when you're first starting, you're doing everything and you're going to quickly learn what you like to do, what you don't like to do, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Um, My first hire was a project manager. I absolutely needed a project manager because I again, I could not keep my own life straight. I needed somebody else to keep keep me in check and keep our projects flowing and keep our clients happy. Um, that project manager is now our director of operations. So she's still with us today. She's wonderful. Um, so that was like, that's primary, you know, what what don't you want to do? What do you want to delegate to somebody else? And we can do a whole thing on delegation, and how important that is. <laughs> um, but beyond oh, that, it starts to be, okay, if you want to continue to grow, what resources do you need on hand? And as you shift from going contract to full-time, do you have the work continuously coming in Yes. To keep them busy? And to keep them, you know, you want to, you're paying them for a full-time role. You want to give them a full-time amount of work. I've had those part-time jobs where I've had like five hours of work to do in a week and a 20 hour week. And I sat there just like twiddling my thumbs, watching Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and I was getting paid to watch Netflix. And it was the worst. It was the absolute worst i know that's ridiculous but i like keeping busy and your employees likely probably want to keep busy as well i wanted to grow in my career and you want to give them those opportunities to grow in their career so that's really what i what i was focusing on um and as i continue to hire most of my hires right now are more developers um but you know we hired an assistant project manager back in january we hired our first account manager uh last month so (coughs) we're starting to build out some of the more non-billable team members as well. That's
0: awesome.
2: Congratulations. That, that leap to non-billable team members is a, is a bold one because you, you just got to dive in, allocate for it and do it. Yeah.
4: So, so Kelly, thank you again for tuning in, uh, and and hanging out with us today. I really appreciate it. I, I, we always end on a lightning round and, and so three questions, uh, I obviously will judge your answers in my head. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and on, on Twitter. And on Twitter. Uh, so we just had Ryan Burgess on last week at Netflix, um, engineering manager. Want to so want to go off that theme. What is your what is your favorite Netflix show right now, or your favorite Netflix show that you watched recently?
0: Richardson. Yes, dude, it's so good. Atlas you said and- silently, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Got him.
1: I appreciate it.
4: It's so good. I didn't think I don't like it, but I do. Okay, next question.
1: It used to be the uh, office, but say what? I said it used to be The Office, but... I know. Now I just pay for you okay, streaming service. I'll, I'll, give
0: you, I'll give you my Peacock login, Kelly. When we're
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. We're already paying for it. Is that, yeah.
2: We're going to share that on Twitter,
0: Twitter, Twitter, too.
4: Bell, you know?
1: We're going to start um, giving
4: away a subscription to Peacock. Yeah. People. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Yeah.
1: So, I will put yeah. the caveat... European beaches, yes. Sandy beaches, no.
0: Okay,
4: that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Final question. Favorite. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold
0: on. No, hold on. I've never been to Europe. I, I, I was going to go last year, but obviously, Something happened.
1: So, so what happens? Is
0: it just like grass that leads up to the water, or, or rocks?
1: so you don't you get in the, the Oregon, Oregon. and get covered in sand, and nothing gets dirty.
0: You're to, you're in the wrong you're in the wrong sand. We've got beautiful beaches here in Florida. So but I'll 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 take that as a sign of ignorance and your hatred of everything, Florida. I get it.
1: It's true. Hey, I,
2: I can I ask the last question, the last lining question. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, buddy. I'm gonna dive it. All right. Not, what uh, what's your favorite e-commerce site that's not not everyone might know that someone Ooh, should look at as it? a good example? That's
4: a great question.
1: Ooh. Okay. Um, one of my absolute favorites that is a really good example of what to do is Brightland. It's brightland.co. Um, really write it down stuff as well. Um, I can name a bunch of them. Olipop is super cute as well. I think it's drinkolipop.com. Um, start freelancing.today is a pretty great talk. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs>
4: yeah, we shared that one.
1: Ooh, <laughs> does look nice.
4: Um, well, Kelly, thank you again. We Thank
1: appreciate it. so much. This is great.
4: A ton. Uh, if anybody wants... Oh, I have yeah. a lightning round question. Kelly, oh, what is boy. your favorite
0: Here we go. color? Oh, orange or blue? Man. Say that again. What is your favorite color, orange or blue?
1: Blue. Because I'm a Michigan. Uh,
0: I'm sorry. We're just going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> y'all. If, if,
4: if, if you want to follow Kelly, that is her Twitter handle. Um, yeah. And uh, Kelly, again... Thank you again. Kelly's open to DMs. Don't be weird, right? So I talk about being weird and not being creepy on DMs. Don't be weird, creepy. Yeah, more than just hi. So again, if you have any questions for her, follow up with her. But again, Kelly, thank you again
3: for coming on. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. This is great. Awesome. It was a pleasure. It was so much fun. Thank you, Kelly.
3: Go Cox.